So we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 17. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I command you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you will guide us, that you would give us power and the power of your Holy Spirit of wisdom and discernment, that you would guide us in your truth. Father, we thank you for your word, which is inspired, infallible, all-sufficient. Father, we pray that you'll guide us to know and believe the truth and live accordingly. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. My mom told me that once one of my favorite toys when I was a young child was this. You see these toys where you have different shapes on the top? You have a circle. You have a square. You have a triangle. You have a cylinder. You have all different shapes, all different designs. And then you have the matching piece. So the whole purpose of this is to put the right shape that fits in the right hole. That seems pretty easy, right? Seems pretty easy. Well, there's many a story of me there on the floor with the square doing everything I can to push it through the circle. I'm turning it to the point way in. I'm banging it with someone. I'm hitting it, trying to get the square through the circle. I was determined. Then eventually I gave up on that. And I grabbed the triangle and I went to the circle. I literally tried to put every shape through the circle. I guess in my little mind, I thought the circle was bigger, bigger than everything else or big enough that everything could go through that hole. But after time went on, I remember I was able to figure it out. So that was pretty good. You know, doing well for a three-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old. But then here came high school. I kid you not, in my high school, they had all these tests to try to discern your abilities. You had these speed tests and things, and you would get this read-off of whether you could be a surgeon or whether you, they would recommend you not being a surgeon, whether you could be this, and they would recommend that maybe you would not be good at that. And I kid you not, one of the things, they had this thing, where it had these different holes. And it wasn't as simple as a square and a circle. and trying. 
they were just a little different. And it was testing your sight perception and matching that up. I failed that section of the test. And I got back my readout saying, anything of engineering, surgery, any of these type things, they would recommend I steer clear of. They recommended the humanities. Maybe literature, art, things that you can kind of do what you like with. (laughs) was kind of the recommendations that they gave me. Because they are saying when it comes to precision, there is something called a circle. There is something called a square. And these things are exact. These things are exact. And there are consequences if you're not going to get these things right. It could be dangerous. It could be dangerous. So we're looking here at Genesis 3, and we're seeing that there are consequences. There are effects for disobedience to God. God has clearly set out his law, his commands. God has said, this is a circle, this is a square, this is true, this is false, this is right, this is wrong. And this is all summed up in Genesis chapter 3 with one rule. Wow. Wouldn't that be exciting only to have one rule? Oh, who here has more than one rule? Yeah, yeah, I have more than one rule. So we have lots of rules. We have lots of rules. But here Adam and Eve had one rule, one rule. And we're going to see at the heart of this rule, when God is speaking to Adam in his disobedience, the heart of this rule is this. Will you trust God? Would you trust that what God says is best, is right, is true in everything? Will you trust that? Will you trust that? Or in your desire to be like God or in your pride or in your rebellion, are you willing to say, well, God, you say it one way, but I want it a different way. I want to do things different. And here we see what happens when we do that. So as we look in this passage, um, if you'd like to follow along, I do have an outline on the back of the bulletin. It gives some of the references we're going to be looking at. But I have four different points here as we go through this passage we'll be looking at. The first one is disobeying God's commands. That's at the heart of this. And then number two, disobedience brings curses, problems, issues. Number three, disobedience ultimately brings death. But then four, Adam obediently names Eve. Isn't that beautiful? You see a moment in the midst of this curse, in the midst of the judgment, you see obedience come back. You see some restoration of the right relationship between Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and God. You see grace at work even in the midst of this time. So it's a beautiful, beautiful section of Scripture. So first we're looking at number one, disobeying God's commands. 
And to Adam he said, and here's the heart of it, because you listened to the voice of your wife. The key thing there is you listen to the voice of someone else. You, you took what someone else said as more important or more true or more desired than God's voice. Than God's voice. We see where Adam does that with Eve, but this is what each and every one of us is confronted with. Every time we hear the voice of the world, the world, the system of brokenness and disobedience all around us, and when the world comes and says something to us and we listen to that voice rather than the voice of God, it's the same thing. Every time our own sinful flesh, we have this desire or this, this hunger or this passion for some sin, something that God says is, is, is wrong and harmful and will destroy us, but our, our sinful flesh yearns and desires that. And every time we listen to that and fall into that sin, we are saying that we prefer our sin to God's truth, God's love, God's goodness. Every time we listen to a temptation of the devil, the accuser, the one who comes to slander and accuse, who roars or quietly whispers in our thoughts and ears and tries to tempt us away as he tempted Eve and said, oh, yes, God said that, but, but if you disobey God, you can have something even better, even greater. God doesn't want you to have what's best. These are the lies of the devil. He continues to lie and deceive and whisper these things. And every time we, we listen to those lies and sin, again, we're saying, God, even though you have said this, we're going to do it a different way. That's at the heart of every sin. Because ultimately, every sin we commit, as we see here so graphically with Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve chose to take of the fruit that God commanded, do not take of, that was a direct sin against God. I mean, it's very clear. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. But what that's teaching us is that is what is true of every single sin everyone commits, is ultimately that sin is against God, against him. Every sin. We may sin against other people and hurt them and harm them and do things destructive, but ultimately every sin of thought, word, and action is against God. That's what David says in his psalm where he cries out to God. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. Ultimately, every sin is a rebellion directly against God. So as we see here, the consequences of this we see what our main problem is. This is the main problem that every human being has. Every human being. No matter what tribe, language, no matter what people group, no matter when they have lived, there is one main problem, and that's what's at the heart of this text. There's one main problem we have. Now, lots of us have lots of problems. There are people who are facing illness. There are people who are facing devastation due to earthquakes or hurricanes. They've lost their homes. They've lost loved ones. There are people facing 
contexts of abuse and harm. There's all these different issues and problems so many people face. But every single person who ever has lived, is alive, and will live has one main, most dire, most important problem. And that problem is, in our sin, we are under God's condemnation. We are under his wrath. We are under his judgment. So the main problem we all face because of this rebellion of Adam and Eve and all of Adam and Eve's offspring, we are conceived in this rebellion and this sin. The one main problem is this. We need a savior. Every human being needs a savior. Because we have not listened to the voice of the Lord and listened to the voice of our fallen flesh or listened to the voice of the devil or listened to the voice of the world around us. And we have desired the voices of false things rather than the voice of truth of God. So that's our problem. And this passage gets us to that problem that each and every one. That's our main problem. That's our main problem. And that's why I'm so glad that throughout the world there are people who are called and raised up to help people with all kinds of problems. Whether it's drilling a well or rebuilding homes or bringing food or helping with uh, social economic issues or these type things. There's all these problems that people are addressing and that's wonderful. But the hope and the key is this. You can address every single problem. But the most important problem is always, first and foremost, we need a Savior. We need forgiveness. We need somehow to be able to listen and obey God's voice again. Because from Adam and Eve this moment, we are all plunged into sin and disobedience. When I was in Seattle, I was uh, doing youth ministry. And there was this one young man who was a bit of a challenge. And whenever I would try at times to correct him, and we were in a large setting, lots of people, he would literally start to go, I can't hear you, I can't, no, 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 no. I don't hear, I can't hear you. He'd literally put his fingers in his ears and go, la, 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 or I can't hear you. That's literally what he would do. And I would just wait and pray for the patience of Job and, and try to pull him off the side and, and address him and, and work through. That is each and every one of us until Christ makes us alive to hear and trust again the voice of of Jesus Christ. So that's where we're all at. I cite Jeremiah because here's Jeremiah 7. Here we see God addressing the people of Israel. And Jeremiah is prophetically speaking out against the people of Israel's continue. Ah, la, 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 la. This is it. This is it. Jeremiah 7, verse 23. 
Here you see God oh, just crying out to his people. Jeremiah 7.23 But this command I gave them. So here's God's command to his people. This is him just, this is what I want from you. Obey my, what is it? Voice. This is it. Obey my voice. And I will be your God. And you shall be my people. And all the way that I command you. That I, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffen their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So here we see is the same problem of sin that begins with Adam and Eve. They refuse to listen to God. Eve listens to the serpent. She is deceived. She sins. Adam listens to the voice of Eve. He openly rebels and sins and takes what she says as better than what God says. And here we see this process of continual not listening, continual disobedience is what we are all conceived and born in. So we all got this problem. This is the main problem of the heart of every single person who ever has lived, is alive now, and will live. Every descendant of Adam and Eve. This is where the problem starts. Romans 5.12 sums this up. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, he's the representative, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned and that's the case with every single one of us from the moment we are conceived and born into sin we are living our lives with a big round ball and just smashing it into a little square section and we are just look it fits look it fits it doesn't fit but that's our whole life. Unless God gives us ears to hear, a heart to trust and believe and know Jesus Christ. And then we realize, what have I been doing? And we set down the thing that doesn't match up and we take hold of Christ and then we have life. So this gets us to the consequences. This is number two. Disobedience brings curses. And we see the curses here in verse 17 and verse 18. First, verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. What did the ground do? But it's a part of God's plan and consequence. So the ground is cursed. 
And this is where you get thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. This is now, remember, work is not because of the fall. God gave Adam work to do that was fulfilling and wonderful, a part of him being an image of God. But the difference now is now this work will include suffering, turmoil, pain, anguish, and struggle. We see that with the thorns and thistles, and we see that where it says, in pain you shall eat of it by the sweat of your face, as symbolizing the pain and agony and turmoil. This is quite a difference between before Adam and Eve fell, and they're in this wonderful garden, and yes, they worked, they, they had dominion, they looked over, but there wasn't any pain, there wasn't any suffering, there wasn't any agonizing turmoil. This is very different. Because remember, God said, if you live as I command, you have life. If you live contrary to my command, if you live in disobedience, it leads to death. And every form of pain, every form of suffering points us to that death, the consequences of our disobedience. So we see this. We see this throughout the scriptures. It's even spoken later in Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, we see this. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah. This is what he said about Noah. Saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed. There he's referencing back to Genesis 3. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. The painful toil. Remember, just as God cursed the snake. So every time we see a snake binding on its belly, that reminds us that God has cursed the snake and he is ultimately defeated. Just as when God talks to the woman and he explains that from then on it will be in multiplied pain she will give birth every time you have a giving birth with that multiple pain it reminds of our need for a savior and here we see where god is addressing adam the man he's saying every time you face struggle and turmoil to provide for yourself provide for your family it reminds you that you need a Savior. You need a Savior. Remember, that's the problem every human being has. That's the main problem. And these things are to remind and point to that very fact. That's one of the main themes in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So we see this cycle. The cycle of pain, the cycle of struggle, that leads to death because of sin. 
And we see the consequences of this. And ultimately, death is the ultimate consequence of sin. That's what God had warned. And that's what God speaks again in our passage this morning. It says this in verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So that's the ultimate consequence. And that is the main theme throughout the scriptures. That the wages of sin is death. We see that in Romans 6. It talks about our enslavement to sin. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Because when we're in sin, when we continue in that disobedience outside of Christ, all our life is trying to ram that little ball through the square opening or ram the square through the little circle opening. All our life is that in every way. That's the fruit of our enslavement to sin. Verse 21, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And that's verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But here's the grace. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's an answer to the problem. The problem that every single human being faces, whoever has lived and is alive and will live, there is an answer to the problem. And it's Jesus Christ. We are so broken in our sin. In our sin, we are so unable to hear and obey God's voice that the scripture says in our sin, we are dead just as God says that eventually we will all turn back to dust, but because of our sin, we are born spiritually dead. It is hard for a dead person to do anything, let alone listen and obey. You can talk to a dead person all you want, and they are not going to respond. So what has to take place for this person in their condition of disobedience and rebellion. It takes the same God as we saw in Genesis 1. How did he make things? The words of power. He spoke them. He said, let there be light. And the light wavered as to whether it would happen or not, right? No, he said, let there be light. And the light said, well, maybe I don't want to. No. God said, let there be light. And there was light. That's the power of God. When God speaks, it happens. So that's what's so amazing about Adam and Eve and each and every one of us. Is this ultimately for us to be saved what does God have to do? God has to do what Jesus does with Lazarus. And what did Jesus do with Lazarus? Remember, he was in the tomb so long, he, King James, he 
stinketh. That's why I prefer, please always read that story in the King James. But Lord, he stinketh. That was his condition. He was dead. He was decomposing. He was rotting to make clear that he was dead. But that's the situation with every single one of us. Just as Adam disobeyed God's voice and fell into sin, the problem with all of us is we all in our sin stinketh. We stinketh before God. And we deserve his judgment and condemnation and wrath. But that's where we see the grace of God. How does Jesus bring Lazarus from the tomb? He spoke. He said, Lazarus, come out. And did Lazarus say, well, I don't want to. No. When Jesus Christ calls your name and says, come out of your death into life, you come. You come. You listen to the voice of God. And you are given ears to hear and you are made alive. So no longer do you have to be in the state of Adam and Eve where they did not listen and did not obey. But Christ and His grace, because He on the cross takes your sin on Himself. He bears the wrath and judgment that you and I deserve on Himself so that in His righteousness, He can speak to each and every one of us who just like Adam in our sin, we stinketh. And Jesus can come and say our name and say, come out, be alive. Know my love. Know my forgiveness. Have life. That's it. That's the gospel. That's the answer to the problem that we see begins here. And that's what's so beautiful. Please don't miss the significance of verse 20. Verse 20. This is amazing. This is amazing. Verse 20 of our passage. Here it is. So after this, after God has made clear that Adam will face pain and suffering and turmoil and will die because of their disobedience, this is immediately what Adam does. Verse 20. The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Yes! This is amazing! That's one of the most hopeful moments in Scripture. Because right before God had this dialogue with them, you see where they're hiding from God, hiding from each other, trying to cover themselves. And then when God comes and first talks to Adam, what does he say about Eve? This woman... Whom you gave me, she caused me to sin. All we get is blame and shame and division where Adam is blaming Eve and blaming God and pushing Eve away in every thought, word, and action. So here we see an amazing work of God's grace. The same Adam, 
Now in his sin, he turns to Eve and he returns back to the original work that God gave him. Remember what the original work God gave Adam? To name. To give a name to everything. So here we see Adam restored to that original work. And when he turns to Eve, he gives her a name according to the gospel promise that God gave them. Remember what God told Eve? That she will have offspring. And one of these offspring, he, his heel will be bruised. But what will he ultimately do with the serpent? He will crush his head. So when Adam turns to Eve, he calls her Eve living. Living. Because from her will come all who are given life and from her will come the one who will finally give the answer and bring the solution to the problem each and every person faces. Amen. So it's a beautiful moment of grace. It's a beautiful moment of obedience when Adam turns to Eve and says, you are the mother of all living. So that's my hope and prayer for each and every one of us. My hope and prayer is this. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you do not believe in him, if you do not have salvation, I pray that God will call your name and draw you out of your death. I pray that God will help you realize you stinketh. You need a savior. And God is so loving and just that he would give his own son to take the wrath and condemnation so that you could have forgiveness and love. I pray that you would know that. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he's called your name and you are alive to trust and believe, I pray that we will listen all the more to our Lord and Savior that we will listen less and less to the voices of the world and of our fallen flesh and of the devil, that we will sin less and obey more out of gratitude and love. Because remember, the wages of sin is death, but salvation is a free gift of God. So that's my prayer, is everyone here will open that gift, cherish that gift, and not just put it in a closet somewhere. Not with that gift. That's your most precious thing you have. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to do what we could not do. That your son Jesus Christ was completely obedient. He always listened to your voice and always did what you said. And because of that, he could go on the cross to take our sin, to pay the full penalty of our judgment, to bear your wrath against sin. 
so that he could call our name and give us his righteousness. What a gift. What a Savior. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.